feedback is a gift. It's not a treasure that you want to bury. It is a gift. Without it, we can't. I equate feedback to swimming, a swim race, where when you're swimming, your head is down in the water. You're doing your thing. You're churning it out. You're focusing on the process. But every once in a while, you head up to see the land. And I did swim a race once and then got out of the water and thought I won. But apparently, I was swimming a race. No one else was swimming because I was on the land, but the final at the end of the race was two meters in the other direction because I stopped. I didn't pick up my head. You have to head up. And if you are not giving your personnel, your spouse, your partner, your brother, whomever it is, feedback, they are not getting the ability to head up. It's a gift. It really is. This is the Rebel HR Podcast. If you're a professional looking for innovative, thought-provoking information in the world of human resources, this is the right podcast for you. Rebel on, HR Rebels. All right, Rebel HR listeners, I am extremely excited to introduce you today to Tina Clements. Tina is a high-energy, hands-on keynote speaker, author, coach, facilitator. I'm sure there's a number of other job titles behind there. She's an entrepreneur.com contributor and successful leader. Uh, She has uh, a a number of years of experience in different uh, industries and organizations, um, 10-plus years with BMW North America, uh, been in the learning and development industry. Uh, she's held leadership positions such as vice president, operations manager, and training manager. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you, Kyle and Molly. It's such an honor to be here. We're, we are pumped to have you and really excited for the topic today. Um, I was just complaining about this right before we hit record. So uh, we are going to be talking all about feedback and respect. Excellent. I'm jumping right. in. Perfect. <laughs> you know what? That's all HR. That's that is 2020 and early 2021 in a nutshell. Just jump into the deep end and hope you don't drown. <laughs> is there any other way to get into HR than just jumping in with both feet at the deepest of the deep end? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. And I don't know if there's any I, I honestly don't know if there's uh, any other way you really learn it. I it's, it's speaking personally. That's how I learned it. Hi, welcome right. aboard. The handshake was still in motion, and I had a pen and a terminate a severance package to review. And the, uh, what is? How do you spell severance? I'm sorry. So yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, is this legal? Like, yeah. is, am I supposed to do this? Is this right? <laughs> Let me Google it. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Right? Oh, good. You did that too. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. In there, good, good. Good. Thank you for the validation. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, Molly, and you know, for all the UHR people out there, it's not, it's, it's, it's not anything to be shamed about to have to Google something, because a lot of us never actually learned this stuff in school. I don't, I mean, it didn't exist for me. It wasn't an option. It certainly wasn't an option, right, Molly? I mean, the the quick story. Uh, I had a gentleman come to clean my fireplace. We got to talking. His son is a senior, getting his degree in human resources. So immediately, I said, "Okay, great job with the fireplace. I need your son's phone number." A, he's a male in the industry, which <laughs> is, and he is going to school for it. I'm sorry. What did you say, Mr. Unicorn? Come and intern for me. Please, right now. This is great because so many people don't. It's not their drive to wind up. Maybe that's the right language, right? Gang to wind up in human resources. 
Molly, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I talked right over you. <laughs> no, you, this is all about you. So you're supposed to talk over me. But I actually <laughs> went to school for HR. And still, I mean, you don't, there's no way to learn it all because every situation is different. Um, and I think you need to have the foundation of like, okay, here's, here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. Here's how I can handle this. Here's a strategy for handling this. But then it's really just about the finesse and the people side of it, which not yes. all people have, right? Right. It's the art of, not the necessarily art the of. science of. Right. You got it. You Molly, nobody has ever used the word finesse to describe me. <laughs> so I am failing at that. I can guarantee it. <laughs> but you do have a finesse. I'm going to give you that. You you have a way. You have a, a very a very wonderful way that you articulate things that need to be said. Thank you, but I, I believe that to be true about you as well. Oh, uh, whatever. All right. Ladies so. and gentlemen, welcome to the Love Fest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? The way this week's going, uh, I'll take it. I'll take whatever positive feedback I can get between uh, uh, between trying to figure out vaccine rollouts and, and quarantine in one part of the world and all sorts of crazy stuff. So mm -hmm. we'll take it. We'll take it. So, um, so we, we started going this path, but I'm really curious – how did you find your calling? How did you end up where you are? And, and what in your career led you there? My mother told me to get a degree in communications as I was sitting out, filling out my college applications and said, what do I, what should my major be? So she set me on the path of communications. And from there, I fell into L&D and training at a really, so about 25, 26 years ago, when I didn't even know the education and development of a, an adult was a thing when way back then, when I was a kid back in the day. And from there, <laughs> so I worked my way up in L&D, within L&D for years and ended up at BMW of North America. And there was a performance management role open in human resources. And someone luckily tapped me and said, you'd be great. And I said, you'd be crazy. I don't, what do you, I don't know anything about, I can't spell HR. So what do you think? And it was the best leap I ever, ever made. It was terrifying and I was horrible and I was reactive and I was a super failure in the beginning. Um, but thank God for the experience because it shifted my complete approach to everything that I do going forward. And, that, and it actually affected me as an instructor, as a facilitator, as a content developer because of everything learned within HR. So from there, they uh, BMW said, you know, Tina, we're going to start this new company called the Retail Performance Company. It's a consultancy with a senior level of expertise with training and coaching and human resources. Are you interested? And I said, let me think about the question was still in the air when I went, yes, yes, that would be great. And that was eight years ago. So I got to use all that experience and turn it into quite frankly, something much bigger where we can help organizations across the nation. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. I don't know about you, but I feel like the HR, as, as challenging as HR can be when, when you get into it and you start to, you know, kind of stumble your way into it and, and learn, um, it is also fundamental and foundational to so many other jobs. It's so transferable. And if you can, if you can figure out HR, you can figure out about damn well anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely concur. And I've said it every day and twice on Sunday. If it wasn't for my HR experience, there's no way that the entrepreneurship that we started here would be successful. There's absolutely no way. I thank God every single day for that for that experience. The rest of it is coming. It's it's 
sales and marketing and and product placement and all the things that go along with starting. But without that fundamental people skill, I don't know if we would have pulled it off. So challenging, but good lessons to learn, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it, you know, so have you always had the entrepreneurial mindset or is that something that developed in you throughout your career? Probably somewhere down deep subtly, you know, selling something to the kids on the street. And one day it was my then I put my resume together right when I was trying to become a babysitter and that kind of a thing. So there was always that subtle down deep because um, but for years I had the security of an organization and when they asked me to take this leap, I truly did not think twice about it. I regretted it within minutes because of how, <laughs> with, literally, because it was um, terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And I fell into all of the, and this is another show, but all of the victim noise and the inner critic and the self-speak that just said, you're too, what were you thinking? You're too stupid. And all the things. However, it was the coaching element that I leaned on. That, which is a part of human resources and, and the, the pool of talent that I could lean on to support me that helped me yank, hank, yank myself out of that to then engage and shift my perspective and move forward because it was a, it was a hard road. It was a really hard road. Yeah, I can imagine. And I, I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that, I'm kind of in that mode right now, you know, to be honest, I, I feel like, you know, I get to, I get to stretch my entrepreneurial muscles a little bit through my w-2 job um but you know i it th there's a there's a lot of fear there right like taking mm -hmm. the leap and go and being and it's you <laughs> and it's mm -hmm, right and it's all and you. that's it exactly you every decision room. you make it's a domino <laughs> there was a lot of that my friend just picture it kyle me looking at a blank wall what do you think well i think it's a great idea what do you think i too think it's a great idea let's give it a shot and it took the, the the fear that fine line is just one step between fear and courage right and just just you you kind of don't have a choice i too learned that the hard way the difference between now and eight years ago is now i know what that failure ultimately helps you find the success that's all there's no such thing as a mistake just discoveries so we need but we need to make them and learn from each other because we can't make them all by ourselves right so that's why it's good to share our learnings and our discoveries and our, and our failures and all that but it's it's terrifying it's terrifying because you don't want to who wants to fail and that's really what the the loudest voice in your head is all about it's if you do this you will probably fail well i do it anyway but you know i do it kind of thing and it's 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 again i in the beginning i did not take that advice well and now once you do it once and you realize you know what i didn't die Okay, I lost money. That's typically what the mistake means when you're starting a company, right? Wow, I lost money. How significant was that loss, boss? Sorry about that, right? And it's it that's a risk. However, okay, what did we learn from that? So sometimes it's a it's a small cost of doing business and helps you get through to the next risk and the next one and the next failure and the next failure. It becomes someone, a dance. Someone once told me you can always make more money. The money will always come. Mm-hmm. What was, going through your journey, what was your most impactful failure that you had or you made? Definitely back to when I started uh, RPC here in the United States. It, and my failure was my own voice, was my own choice, truly. It was, I truly believed that I was too stupid to do this and I could not do it. And everything was stacked to get me, against me. And what happened to me 
is to protect myself from that failure is I started to live in the blame game. Well, my my team in Germany didn't give me any resources nor knowledge. The product is unstable. The market is too saturated, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's all excuse, excuse, excuse. And I did that for too long. And again, thank goodness I had people around me who were senior coaches. That's our, that's what we do. And I ultimately leaned into them. It took time though for me to do that because it was, again, I was feeling more safe in the victim mentality than I was to, to shift my perspective. So then after a while, it, then it, then I shifted from there, but that to me was, and again, I, I thank God for the failure. Because without it, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't know what that feels like and to know that you can survive this. If you can survive that, you could. how hard is this new thing that's happening right now, right? So it's I get through that shift much more swiftly. But without question, that was, that was a good one. That was a good failure, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I want to shift gears because I, I think this topic actually is really pertinent to, to what we're going to be talking about today, which is, which is feedback. And... You know, feedback has it's it's one of those buzzwords that I think about like it's just like opportunity. You know, it's like you hear that word and you're like, oh, that's that's a euphemism for you screwed up or you did something bad or you failed. And so, you know, I I hear that, but feedback's also really really critical. And if it's not given, um, you're gonna fail even worse. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. It. So that's mm-hmm. yeah. so so. Just tell me a little bit about your approach to to giving feedback and getting a, a, a employee or a peer or a, uh, a partner feedback that doesn't put them in that automatic like fight or flight kind of a fear mode. Right. And that's the that's the critical piece. Right. Is to it's respect. Feedback is a gift. It's not a treasure that you want to bury. It is a gift. Without it, we can't. I equate feedback to swimming, a swim race, where when you're swimming, your head is down in the water. You're doing your thing. You're churning it out. You're focusing on the process. But every once in a while, you head up to see the land. And I did swim a race once and then got out of the water and thought I won. But apparently, I was swimming a race. No one else was swimming because I was on the land, but the final at the end of the race was two meters in the other direction because I stopped. I didn't pick up my head. You have to head up. And if you are not giving your personnel, your spouse, your partner, your brother, whomever it is, feedback, they are not getting the ability to head up. It's a gift. It really is. And, you know, to, you, you mentioned something, Kyle, that's really important. It's not negative. It's, it's, it can be constructive. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's positive and we need that. Your people need that even more than the constructive sometimes. And during in this new, wonderful remote environment, we're not doing it. We're just we're, we're forgetting. We're neglecting. We aren't even doing it for ourselves. Right. Which can again, that's a new podcast, the mental health and well-being and, and psychology of the human around us. But in this environment, it's more critical than ever to to actually do it. And what, when you talked about how do you do it to not get the fight or flight, it's not easy because it takes thought and it takes commitment to do it. And you have to, first of all, you have to do it, right? Especially when you're remote. Hey, Kyle, got a minute to talk? Okay, great. You want to do it on Zoom? You want to do it on Teams? Let's go ahead and let's do it now. And it has to be in the moment. So, Kyle, how did you think, 
How do you think that went? Whatever the experience was, right? Engage the other person. Don't come out and say, well, I have feedback for you. You did this wrong. <laughs> right? I bet the both of you have experienced this. I would, probably you both experienced it for you. Am I, is that, I, would, I would say raise your hand, but I think people are listening. So I'll just tell you if they're <laughs> Let's just say hands are up. Hands are up. Yeah, yes, hands, this both is hands. My, 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 the, honestly, the majority of my career, I've gotten the constructive feedback, never really gotten the positive. You, you know it's there, but it's just, right? So that's just kind of the norm. So to start out with any feedback, it's got a minute. Ask the person. So how do you think that went? Hopefully it's immediate, right? It's like when a dog poops on the rug. We don't wait till the next day to <laughs> readjust, right? To shift perspective around that. And then to have those people say, okay, well, I've noticed that, and you always, when you give feedback, start with I. Anytime, well, I've heard, or they said, now, sorry, they're gone. And now what, what is the conversation going to be about? The conversation will be about, well, who said that? And when was said? And what did, and that's, it's about the thing. It's about the topic at hand. I've noticed that this is happening. Listen, Molly, the reason I'm bringing this to your attention is because I know you could be amazing here at this firm. I, I see it in you all the time. What's blocking you is the fact that you're late all the time and people are noticing that. And I don't want that or the fact that so your work is late every single day. Whatever the thing is, it's you you speak to the thing after the why. Listen, I've noticed this happen. Here's why I'm telling you this, because I care about you, man. I think that the expectation setting piece of any communication is missing all the time. It just, we forget the why. We forget to, this is why I'm asking you. And fill in the blank, whatever whatever the reason is. And then you go ahead and tell them. And then the next part is, so what do you think we could do about this? So once again, I'm not saying to you, you need to now get here earlier. But what do you think we can do? Well, boss, I think what we could do is maybe I could set my alarm earlier. You know, I don't, this is where we could have so much fun walking down every potential <laughs> conversation. Okay, great. Do you think you can do that? Then you agree. What's your timeline and you move on. I make it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world, right? Just, oh, just follow these steps. It's so deliciously hard because you've got humans involved and emotions. And no matter how well you say the words and you articulate your thoughts and respectful you are, there's a chance a person might react and it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with their voice. Well, now I'm, I might lose my job. I'm so stupid. I shouldn't work here. I'm too old. I'm too, whatever the thing is. And that's okay. Let them. Okay. So how are you feeling right now? Let them work through that piece of it. Don't be afraid of it. Lean into it again. So easy for me to say, right? Oh, this is great. It took me years. It took me absolute years. I mean, again, I jumped in that deep end was handling these conversations. The first time I ever gave feedback as an HR performance person, it took me six hours. Can you believe this? Six hours with the same person. And I look back now at the end, I was, who do I have next? Who, what's the topic of conversation? Okay, let's go. Let's bring it right. But it, because you're so engaged and you think it's about you and how can I fix you? Nope. It's quick. This is what it is. What do you think? It's on, okay, can you do it? And then move on. That was a huge ramble, gang. I'm not sure that I could. Did I use up all of our time? I love you both. Sorry. No, I, I've got some stuff. It's been great. Just, okay, we'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. Thanks for playing. <laughs> I keep going back to when you first said, you, you know, you should be giving feedback to your spouse. Um, and I would completely agree. But, funny story, I went home to my husband. This was like a year ago. And I said, honey, I really think we should start doing like performance evaluations on each other. Maybe every like six months. Um, he did not like. 
like that idea. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant, but he was not on board. The uh, oh, I, I you cannot uh, coaching. Don't coach your significant other or your best friend or your parents. Nope. Wah, wah. He he's a, and you're still together thanks to him. We are. Often tell me, okay, don't do that HR stuff for me. I don't need your feedback. Saint Andy. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, what I was going to ask is what we were kind of talking about earlier is that victim mentality. I think a lot of people, when we give feedback, that's where they go. It's not my fault. It's and they make excuses. How do you overcome that when you are giving that feedback? Do you just call it for what it is? What advice do you have? Calling it for what it is, you could do that. What's the consequence of that, however, right? So it's, in my experience, people go to the victim mode quite a few, quite a lot. And again, stop for a second. It's nothing to do with me. They're in the, let them spiral. It's the equivalent of when we teach um, sales consultants in the automotive industry, when you have a client that walks, when you have a customer who walks in the door and they just take them off the floor and let them go and let them say their words. Because usually what happens is, and they stop and they recognize for themselves what's really going on. And then from there, you ask the question, so what's really going on for you? Now this, you have to deploy some some coaching techniques here, which really is just a fancy way of saying you have to ask questions. We as a human society love to fix. We want to have all the answers. When they say something, we feel like we're supposed to say something. This is the time to ask the questions and get them to figure it out. People believe their own data. They're not inclined to believe you. So ask them the questions to get themselves to really come up with the story. And the questions, Google coaching questions. Really, there's some phenomenal, very simple questions. Of what, so tell me what you're most afraid of. It really is that we have never been trained to ask. I certainly wasn't in HR um, being onboarded. It wasn't part of the script, right? I, I learned that on my own. And that is really, in, in my experience, the most successful way to navigate through that fight, that fight mode to get. The, and again, you're in charge of your destiny. Do you want to be successful? OK, great. So help me understand how to get you there. I will support you 100 percent. But we need to come up with a path. What do you think? That yeah, makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, it's um, you look at the, the the studies on leadership and you look at like the difference between like the the successful executive leaders and those that struggle. And a lot of times you'll find that common thread that the, the successful ones ask a lot of really thoughtful questions and they ask the right questions at the right time. Mm-hmm. But they're not a, you know, a dictator. with all the right answers right they're helping people discover the right answers within themselves i I think it's a point very well taken one thing i am focusing on and putting together a presentation for my management team um and i'm curious on your guys's feedback because you had said something earlier about self-doubt and how that can impact feedback well the question i'm going to pose to my team is regarding stereotypes and performance at work. So how can stereotypes impact individuals' performance at work? Uh, So what are your guys' take on that? Wow. Well, that's our third podcast that now we could do together, right? Because now you're getting into the the microaggressions and the, the, you know, biases and whatnot. And it's funny, we do teach a a one-hour quick, just on four different unconscious bias, the uh, beauty bias, et cetera, et cetera, just to educate. And I can't tell you how it's 
if there are 10 people in the class, 10 people have the ahas, myself included. I thought that I was giving feedback with no biases and because I, oh, I knew so much. It's when you really allow yourself to dive deep and, and, and put the mirror up to yourself, we all, we all have them. We all, and we have to, number one, check ourselves. Actually, Molly, you bring up a really critical point. Before you give feedback at all, ask yourself this question, why? Why am I giving feedback and why am I giving it right now? If there's an iota of selfishness in there, and sometimes people do, I've done it. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to admit it. And the second it's been done, I went, oh my God. And that might be the fourth podcast because that was a whole, that is another failure, I would say, in that particular case that came right to my head. Right. So check yourself. And Molly, it's a big, it's a really big topic. You know, the entire dibs, diversity, inclusion, inclusion, biases, right? All of this topic is massive. And I think it's so great that we're even having the conversation to bring just that, that opening door of awareness. And if you can have that before you, before you start, then I think the rest will, it's not saying you might not goof or make a little mistake or a flop, but you'll be aware of it, which will just make you stronger for the next one. It was a really important question. Yeah, I agree. It's an important topic. So I'm excited to dive into it with my team. Yeah, that's exciting. I could, if you, I will help you and just dive in there with you because again, I'm an HR nerd, as you know. So this will be, how sad is it that that's what I would do on a Saturday afternoon? Let's, <laughs> yay! Let's talk about this with your people. <laughs> I hope you have a cocktail in hand when you're doing that on a Saturday afternoon. If you make it mandatory, then yep. I will have to. Yes, okay. <laughs> Yeah, considering like the free time, like I spend my free time on social media, but I'm not like, you know, commenting on whatever. I'm like talking to other HR people on HR Twitter and we're like going back and forth on what do you do on this performance management uh, system? And, you know, what, yeah. you know, how, what do you got? How was your week? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like, it's like, yeah, we, we're, yeah, a bunch of HR nerds, but that's okay. Yeah. This is a that's safe okay. place. You found, you found other HR nerds that we do exist. Uh, part of <laughs> part of the tribe so i want to go back to i want to go back to a comment that you made and, and and explore this topic a little bit more and it's the challenge of knowing when is it appropriate to give the dreaded word feedback so so it, at what point is it not about you and it is truly about them and how do you how do you spot that you know, I guess on some level, it's always about us, right? Because if we're giving the good feedback and that employee in this case is elevating, then we can benefit benefit from that as well, right? Um, I, I guess when you ask the question, when you answer the question, there's no value for me if I give this feedback right now, except that that employee can grow and be, and be wonderful. Sometimes they leave us because they become so good. So actually it works against you sometimes to give this great feedback. Uh, but I think that's the time to do it. When somebody, when you catch somebody doing something right, which is a, it's a comment I'm sure we've heard before, that's the time to pick up the phone and give the feed. It takes two minutes, sometimes one, and a little bit longer if it's in this remote setting because then you have to set it up and get on the, get on the video cam and just say, hey brother, I just wanted you to know that was that was well done, whatever it is. We, we don't do it because it takes time and we're not seeing each other as much. So every time somebody does something right, when there's there's two times uh, mandatorily, if somebody is doing something that is, well, first of all, if it's illegal or something, then, then it's a whole different with immediacy, right? And it, what is that? Our fifth podcast, I think. Uh, <laughs> but if you see something that is getting in, in somebody's way now, and it's, 
I don't want to use the word egregious, but if it's really blocking them from success, um, and I'll and I'll be honest with you, it was uh, in my recent case, somebody is just using wrong grammar, and it was she's speaking, she was speaking with consistency in front of a group, and so I pulled her aside. I mean, and it was that was a rough one because she was taught to say it a certain way, and it was just and people saw it. And um, as I turn off my echo dot, because nobody needs to hear what package has been delivered, right? Uh, but but in that right. So in that case, she definitely got defensive and there was definite. But it had a, again, it had everything to do with her. It was it needed to be done because I did not want her to keep going down the path and being perceived a certain way. So with, that's that was another long winded answer to your question, Kyle. But it, it's right away, right away. And again, if as long as there's nothing you're not getting more out of it than the other person if that makes if that makes any sense yeah but in 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 that context of the individual who was using the wrong grammar um had you not given them that feedback their credibility would have continued to have been eroded right and potentially the credibility of you and your brand and the and the event and you know it's it, it seems like such a little thing but it can snowball um and i can't tell you how many times and i think most HR professionals have probably had this experience. Um, I've brought somebody into my office and I've give them, given them some feedback on their perception, how people are perceiving their reactions to something or they're, you know, they're perceived as a barrier to change or something along those lines. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, are you serious? Like, ha- like, that's how I'm coming across? I have no idea. I thought I was like, you know, Mr. Innovator. And you're telling me that I'm like resistant to change. That's what people think. And that's... A- and it's but you know not doing that in the moment is like it's creating a bigger wound in my opinion yes than than you know fixing it right then and there so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's i did exactly that um for the right reason with a with a peer actually as a competitor at another consultancy he and i were asked to lead something together and when he was speaking, he was angry and in the crowd's face and a little bit belligerent. And so later that night, I called him and I said, hey, you open a little feedback. And I did check myself because I went, he's a competitor and this, and I really, it's honestly, there was some selfishness there because we were together. So there was that, but also I did want to help him. And he was uh, not, he did not handle it the way your colleague did, Kyle, when you gave that feedback. He was he was belligerent and angry and in my face. And I'll be honest with you, we didn't talk for a long time. We just recently reconnected and it was it, it happens. It happens. But I did it for the right reasons. I did it respectfully. And that sometimes that's it. Walked away. Right. He walked away. Ultimately, he is no longer with that organization. Isn't that interesting? Which is a reason that we, we actually reconnected. So it's 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 it is it needs to be done. And for those of us HR nerds who take pride in it and know how advantageous it is and know that we're, it's coming from the right place, it's almost our obligation to give it. Maybe I'm making an excuse for giving it to that colleague at the, <laughs> that time, but really that's it. That's really, that's really what's going on when you give them feedback. This whole remote work has shifted me a little bit and trying to figure out my new ways of giving feedback and you're you're right I absolutely find myself waiting like okay I saw this but I want to do this in person or I definitely want to do this not on a phone call 
Um, and then I find myself waiting for weeks or not weeks, but probably a week until my next meeting with them. And I don't think that's the best thing to do. I have definitely noticed that. You're doing it though. So that's great. I mean, really take, give yourself credit for that and they're feeling it. And it's because it's hard. You're busy too. You have things to do too, right? We all do. So it's, it's something you hate to say it, but you have to schedule it. It's got to be on the calendar from 11.15 to 11.30. I'm going to call two people and tell them what a great job they're doing. It's, it's It sounds challenging in that regard, but then we know that we're going to get it done. So I appreciate oops. that positive feedback <laughs> you just gave me. You, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> the Jedi mind trick, Molly. Yep, she's good, The HR Jedi mind trick. So... So I'm curious maybe to explore that maybe a little bit more uh, tactically in the in the new normal that we're in now. So um, and I'm just going to ask selfishly because I do this and I want to know if, if that's if this is OK. <laughs> so, you know, we've got all these like we've got these texting and like, you know, Slack or, you know, um, Microsoft Teams. You can chat with people the whole, you know, the whole time while you're on a when you're on a call or you're talking. And so one of the things I try to do is like if I know. If I see somebody struggling and they're working through a topic, but I think they're going the right direction, but somebody's giving them like, you know, the all the reasons why it won't work or why this is a stupid idea or whatever, you know, I'll ping them and I'll be like, hey, I'm with you. Or, you know, I think you're going keep 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 driving that you're going the right direction, like like things like that is um, is that as effective as, you know, the more traditional circling back after a meeting and, and having, a, you know, a, a conversation? Is it is it OK to use a less personal form of, of feedback. What's your opinion on that? Yes, that was my German answer. Yes, period, full stop. <laughs> the, the, the truth is any feedback is accepted in an environment where we're hardly getting any. And if you're pinging somebody through tech, that's and and as so much of our of, of society is is communicating this way anyway. So it's speed, it's immediate, and you can get to the person. Especially if you're doing this whole grand Zoom call thing or Teams or whatever it is, you um, you don't always want to call the person out live in front yeah. of everyone else. I have two particular employees who are incredibly shy. One who has said to me on multiple occasions, "Do you really need to see me?" On, on the camera when we, you know, it's, I mean, really painfully shy. So to call them out, even with the most gracious thank you, they wouldn't have it. Um, so the direct answer is yes. The question I have for you is how do you handle the person who's, who's being the victim in that case and being negative towards your colleagues that you're, that you are complimenting and the one that's saying, Hey, especially if it's live in front of everyone else, how do you, how, do, you do you even approach that person? It depends. <laughs> it, it depends. The answer, the honest answer is, it depends. Uh, it depends on the and the topic and the level of. Uh, you know, I wouldn't. I don't think I would use the word belligerent. But the scenario I'm thinking through is a, an individual who had criticisms on the path that we were going or didn't like a process change that had occurred and felt that communication was not um, was not as rich as it should have been. I guess is how I would describe it. So. So I, I don't think that the, any of the feedback was inappropriate or or delivered in an inappropriate way. Um, you know, my approach my approach was more to support the individual who who was concerned they were doing something the wrong way. Um, and then uh, yeah, I kind of work in, on on that one. I kind of worked more in the background and circled back with the individual um, the individual parties who uh, had the initial complaint because it was like feedback from a free feedback from somebody who had feedback who had feedback you know like it's one of these it was a senior meeting and 
you know, somebody's hearing something on the street basically. So, you know, my approach was as opposed to going and, um, trying to, you know, find the culprit. I just tried to root cause, okay, who's, where is this coming from? And is this actually an issue? Right. turns out it right, wasn't, right, right. it was just right. a process. It was a process flow that needed a, we needed to add one more person into the communication chain. Right. So we actually figured out the issue. Um, you really Giuliani it in other words. The, Ooh, I don't uh, know. I don't know if I want to be Rudy Giuliani. Uh, you know what? It's it's. I probably should stop using this reference. That's for sure. <laughs> During 9/11, one of the things that that Rudy did was was before taking any action every day. I mean, right in the right when it was at its most in the beginning, he would stop his team in the morning and come together. And why is that? And what's going on? And do and and really get to the root cause. When people were like, "Why are you having this? Just go. Why aren't you moving? This is a crisis." Because he was, he knew we had to stop and dissect first. And one of his most famous stories uh, in the movie, there's a, there's a, an actual movie that was made about him years ago, I think 15, 17 years or something like that. And he was in his office on whatever floor and something wasn't getting from A to B. And he himself navigated all the way down to the basement where there were two women sitting back to back to each other who hated each other and one wouldn't give the paperwork to the other one. So everything was, but he himself got to the root cause before taking action and whatnot. But this will be the last time I bring up this (laughs) as an example. (laughs) I think it's a great example. It's a great example. I just didn't know if you were referring to like a, you know, a just for men gone wrong type of a thing or not. No, I don't, I don't know. You know, it could go anyway. 2020 was a weird year. (laughs) Yes, exactly. As was that analogy. But anyway, (laughs) that's what I'm looking for right now. So anyway, Molly, back to you. (laughs) You guys. Molly, you got to keep us on track here. I think Tina and I, we're both kites and you got to be the string to hold us both down. (laughs) No, I'm with you. But Kyle, why? I'm curious because if if I was in that that person's shoes and I would have got that text from me or whatever, that ping, it would have helped my confidence. But why not speak up? in front of everybody about that you know I, because i don't think that the i don't think that the feedback was wrong and and i don't think it was i don't think it was inappropriate for that person to get that feedback but i wanted them to know that i don't feel like they should take it as it's you know in, in a negative manner i guess is and so that so they got a richer perspective of the audience's view if you will so and and you know my my approach you know i'm a little bit I'm a little bit hands off because I like to let I like to let the discomfort settle a little bit so people can actually internalize what's what people are saying before I like shut because I don't want to shut down that type of conversation or feedback either because there was actually feedback, you know, in the meeting. So had I piped up, it might have made everybody shut up and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, not actually figure it out. Molly, you bring up a really good point. If you want to even go a slice deeper, could you, Kyle? have called that person afterwards and said so how do you think that went and ha- and then open the dialogue it's my favorite question so how do you think that went or hey what's going on for you just that's it and just leave that open-ended question sitting out there and see where that person took you and then diagnose a little bit from the- and get that person to realize why you did what you did and so how do you feel now about the input yeah it had nothing to do with the way that person was giving the feedback everything to do with the emotion behind it and the, the, the desire to, to X, Y, Z, right? So just a, just a thought that that could have been a feedback giving moment. So Molly, that's a good, that's a good call out. Yeah. Yeah. I like your way better. 
No, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking. No, it's good, but it, but it's it's I, I do think it's a great example of uh, you know um, maybe not knowing exactly when the right time to give feedback can be, and every every interaction so fast, right? And, and it's so easy to sit there and think, man, I should have done this, should have said that, I missed my window. So is it is it ever too late to open that window and provide it? That's a, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because if it has been too long, then you have to be prepared for the, why are you just telling me this now? And then come back. You're right. And I apologize because that's on you at this point. So um, I cannot think of a circumstance that wouldn't bring a benefit later, no matter what the it is right now. I'm sure at two o'clock in the morning, we'll come up with, with the thing. But regardless of when, I would want to hear the feedback. You know what? I think I'm answering my question by processing outwardly. If it's too late to do anything about it, and mm. if there's if no good could come from it. And again, I can't think of a specific example, but if there's something going on that I literally have no control over to change, and I can't change my behavior for a future something, then why are you going to hurt me? All that does is bring me pain and, and regret in that I can't even go back, right? So that being said, I think that would be the only, in my opinion, that would be the only thing I could think of and can't think of an example. I have, I have an opinion. (laughs) You guys tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I personally think it is too late to give feedback. If you wait until it's annual review time, you type that feedback in an annual review, it impacts your score, it impacts your merit increase. I don't know as a leader if I would feel good about that if that was the first time they were hearing that. So, okay. Kyle, your question had two different meanings, you tricky thing, you. Oh. Because, so, right? Because the way I didn't interpret the question that, Molly, you are so accurate. That is, that that means that you, but you could have in the moment, whenever along the path, and you just thought, because. Again, we as HR geeks know that feedback should be immediate, immediate and constant in all the things. Leaders aren't taught, right? There's no, unfortunately, up until recently in the past certain amount of decades, there haven't been leadership schools, you know, when leaders were going, going up the ranks and they were only getting feedback once a year. So they thought that's how you do it. You give feedback once a year and we have to break that and re-educate. And what you just said is, is key. And the, the big sentence over that is no one should be a surprise at during their performance their annual performance review when you walk in you should know what your score is what the feedback's going to be you've been working on it already and it should be swift and a handshake and thanks very much in amount right so really good good i good agree point. i always tell my leaders if if an associate is surprised at their annual review at a write-up or a termination you did not do your job well enough yep Excellent advice. So, so smart. So we're going to bring it full circle here. Uh Uh-oh. Because that is a way to give feedback without respect. Right? That's not respectful for for the person who's sitting on the other end with, you know, bills and obligations and maybe a family um, to take care of, to sit there and not know that and not have the opportunity to modify what they're doing in order to fulfill your expectations. Right? That's just a jerk move. 
<laughs> yeah. I love you guys. Yeah, it really is. And you know what? It's a jerk coming from fear because I, tr- I truly believe leaders don't give the feedback because they're afraid. They're afraid because of the con- the potential conflict and they don't want to hurt the other person so they just don't give that constructive feedback that ultimately can help because they don't they're friends or they want to be seen as the friend or they or whatever their motivation is so they're they think they're doing it for the right reasons but they're a jerk they ultimately come off like a jerk yeah when they don't give when they don't give the day-to-day little feedback, it builds up, and then all of a sudden they're like, "This person has to go." They're really impacting business, and well, that's not the right way to handle it. Yep, you got it. You got it. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, there's so many HR people listening to this right now, and they they've had that person just <laughs> just pissed and just yeah. pounding. The, you could feel hear the feet coming down your the, the hallway to your office. The door opens up, and it's a burst of air, and it's like, "This person's got to go." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the first question is always, "Oh, what feedback have you given?" Them? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and then, uh, what and then scores they go, oh. have you been giving? Average, meeting expectations, and <laughs> yeah. then you look around and go, "Okay, what shall we do next?" <laughs> yeah. My yeah. my favorite question in that moment is, "Help me understand." <laughs> yeah. Oh, good question. Help me understand why this? Why did this happen? Why is this happening right now? What happened? <laughs> Remember the deep end that I that I spoke of earlier. <laughs> that was my deep end. It was the barrage of handle this, fire this person, let this yeah, person yeah. go, and me saying to everyone, "But you get, but they're beautiful on paper. Help, what, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent example." So we we had a uh, a great guest here uh, a few weeks back named Liz Kislick and and she used a great term and I think it was so so right on and you know her comment was you broke them <laughs> they were great on paper they probably came in with a wonderful you know attitude ready to go ready to ready to change the world and and the organization broke them right That's, you know and you own that I'm gonna write that down Liz right now. Um, <laughs> That really, it's it's what an eloquent yet direct way to teach a leader. So yeah. whose responsibility is this? This person was your responsibility. They came in with an A-plus grade, and they're leaving with a D. So yeah. that's on whom? Yeah. I strongly believe that most people coming into an organization don't want to just screw things up or fail. I 100% agree with that, Kyle. All right. Oh my gosh, what a what a fun conversation! We, I could just keep going. I need to go get a drink or something, and you know, keep the conversation. But uh, we are we are uh, running out of time, and so I want to shift gears into the Rebel HR flash round. So Woo-hoo. get ready, Tina. Here we go. Okay. All right. Question number one: What are you reading right now? The oh, um, Beat Cop to Top Cop. My 99 year old. A uh, retired cop from the Bronx grandfather recommended this book uh, written by John Timoney. So far, so amazing. And uh, yeah, all even though the words human resources are not in the book, they are everywhere in the book. So <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I'm, I'm sure that's an interesting context in the uh, world yes. that, that you're in. Especially knowing my grandfather, who is, again, almost 100 years old, so was a police officer in New York for a long time. It's it's just, it's a very interesting book. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I bet he's got a few stories. Couple, yes. He could just probably fill some podcast time. He, um, <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. All right. Uh, question number two, who should we be listening to? The Honestly, right now, who I'm listening to, again, is Earl Nightingale. And, I, you know, 
all of the stuff that's out there, and rightfully so, gets recreated. So if you haven't listened to Earl Nightingale and The Strangest Secret, then my high recommendation is get on that immediately. Awesome. Awesome. Or I have Carol not. King. Carol King also. It would be who's always on in the background. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my house is more along the lines of like uh, Frozen 2 soundtrack or Trolls 2 or what, you know, uh, The yes. Book of Life is their new favorite. It was on Netflix and now it's the thing. So, yeah, you know, there cool. it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you? Via our website, rpcamerica.com or directly with me, tina.clements at rpc-partners.com. I would love to hear from anyone and everyone. That'd be great. Awesome. And we, we will have that information in the show notes. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't also uh, at least give you a little bit of a, uh, a plug here. So she also has a book out on Amazon, The Art of Facilitation, Communicate So They Remember by Tina okay. Frey Clements. So Tina, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to have you on the show here uh, today. We, we covered some, some great, uh, great topics and really, uh, really helpful advice. So thank you so much. Thanks to you both. This is really an honor. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations. Oh, wait a